a Podcast One production. Hi, you're listening to Crappy to Happy. I'm your host, Cass Dunn. I'm a clinical and coaching psychologist, a mindfulness meditation teacher, and author of the Crappy to Happy books. In this series, we talk about all the things that might be making you feel crappy and share tools and tips to help you overcome them. In each episode, I chat with interesting, inspiring and intelligent people who are experts in their field. And my hope is that you take something away from these conversations that helps you feel a little bit less crappy and more happy. Today's guest is Scott Barry Kaufman, a fellow psychologist and host of the world's leading psychology podcast, aptly titled The Psychology Podcast. Scott has published a book called Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization, in which he presents his own reworked model of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Most of us are familiar with the hierarchy that's typically presented as a pyramid with physiological needs at the bottom, then safety, belonging, esteem, and then the pinnacle of human needs, self-actualization. Scott has spent years examining a lot of Abraham Maslow's unpublished work and found that Maslow himself never considered self-actualization or the fulfillment of personal potential to be the ultimate goal, but to use our potential in the service of contributing to the greater good and ultimately to transcend the limits of human experience altogether. It's a weighty book, both literally and metaphorically, and it's a huge topic to cover in a short podcast interview, but I hope it might pique your curiosity, and especially if you're a psychology buff, to encourage you to consider an alternative theory of human needs, motivations, and ultimately what we're all here to do in this lifetime. Here's my conversation with Scott. Scott, thank you so much for being on the Crappy to Happy podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. You're so enthusiastic in your email. I am enthusiastic all of the time, but I was especially enthusiastic to talk to you because I have just finished reading your book, Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization, and congratulations on the book. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Uh, I couldn't wait to get you on the podcast to talk about it. So, Scott, what you have come up with is a new science of Maslow's theory of self-actualization, so his hierarchy of needs, basically. I think most of us have been exposed to Maslow's original theory, if not a watered down version of it. Oh yeah. (laughs) You're right. But before we jump in, for those who are going, oh yeah, I think I've heard of that, but I'm not really sure. Could you just give us a little summary of what his, his original model was, which we often see as a pyramid or a triangle? The original uh, model that you often will see is a meme with um, uh, Wi-Fi written in at the bottom of a hierarchy of needs or a toilet paper written in at the bottom. And then you have your, your uh, physiological needs, you have safety needs, you have connection, you have self-esteem. And then you go, boop, you go all the way up to self-actualization um, after that, you know, like done. Um, and then you're done. Um, you're self-actualized. Now, this this original model is a very static model. It's a very, uh, it's like, it kind of treats life like it's a video game. That, as though you've, you reach one set of needs and then um, when you when you reach a certain level of that, some voice from above says like, congrats, you've unlocked the next level and then you can move on and then you know life is not like a video game um life is just not 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 like that you know like life is an experience it's a constantly dynamic experience it's a it's like you know it's a developmental we we can move two steps forward think we're making a lot of progress then we then we fall the way you know on our butt and then we have to get up again and keep going again and you know it's this constant two steps forward one step 
back dynamic and it's uh um you know, I mean, Maslow never drew a pyramid, so there's that too. <laughs> he never, he never depicted it that way. He never depicted it that way. I really do think he was a developmental psychologist at heart. I love in the book too that you do. What you have done is explored all of his work, including a lot of his unpublished work, all the way up until the day he died, and discovered really that the the theory that we are all exposed to is, for a start, not what he was necessarily ever saying. But also you have taken a lot of that unpublished work and kind of reformulated it into your own model. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I got the Kaufman sailboat. You got the Kaufman sailboat. Oh, no. I'm pa- I'm patenting that. Are you? It's big in Australia. It's big in Australia, by the way. For some reason, I am big in Australia, more so than in my own country. Is that right? Um, of Kazakhstan. No, I'm joking. Of United States, <laughs> where I am right now. But um, Australia loves the psychology podcast and positive psychology. I think Australia is just... People are more enthusiastic about positive psychology. Although people in America are pretty enthusiastic about positive psychology, but I just find Australia the, the rankings and uh, you know people the amount of people that like write me emails saying they're my fans. You know, coming from Australia, I'm like, okay, hello Australia, how you doing? I see you over there. <laughs> I see Australia. This is why we're so thrilled to have you here. Um, I think yeah, you're right. Thank you. Sorry for that little tangent. So your sailboat model is very much more relevant to the 21st century, I think, and much more in line with what Maslow originally was trying to express. Can you explain the sailboat to us before we dig into the various kind of stages of growth? The idea of the sailboat, and I'm using a lot of, people can't see, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm in the mood to use lots of hand motions today for some reason to punctuate my points, but no one can see it except you. But um, the sailboat, you know, has different components to it. And uh, you, you have the boat of basic needs that have to be met. And if we don't have those basic needs met, we can't really go anywhere. You know, we, we're so preoccupied with plugging the boat um, and the holes in the boat and, and fulfilling and satisfying deficiencies in our soul, you know, um, like a, a desperate need to be liked, a desperate need to connect and have some sense of intimacy in our life, a sense of safety. Um, but if we can plug those those holes enough where the boat can actually move, then we can open the sail. And, you know, opening the sail allows us to, well, not just move, but move in a purposeful direction. That's the point. The point is ultimately we want to be moving in the sense of, with a sense of purpose, sense of, we want a a sense of meaning, uh, exploration, love, you know, in the unknown of the sea. Um, But, you know, waves can come crashing down on all of us at any time. And then we realize we weren't the only ones in the sea. You know, even though we were moving in our in our own direction, you know, uh, waves can come crashing down. So I think there's various levels at which a boat is a better metaphor for life. And so in the boat, you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I think yeah. it's it. I think it more accurately, as you say, uh, represents what life is like. And the and the sailboat can shift in different directions too. And sometimes you have to drop the anchor, and it's it's much more dynamic. I think, and reflective of every individual's personal evolution, which is what it's all about, right? Yes, I think that is what it's all about. And yeah, thanks for thanks for your uh, feedback. For people listening who aren't familiar with Kaufman's sailboat, in the bottom, so the, ba- <laughs> the base needs are characterized, well, you have represented them as security needs is the boat and then the growth needs are in the sail. 
And our basic security needs uh, are safety, connection, and self-esteem. Correct. I was very interested that you included attachment security because that's a big interest of mine as a psychologist is attachment needs across the lifespan. And you've included attachment security as a fundamental safety need, which I think a lot of people, uh, theories, I, I think they just exclude that. They do. The impact of our fundamental need for emotional security and attachment security and the impact on trauma of so many of us. Number one, great. I'm glad that you have acknowledged that and included that. Uh, Do you think that there are a lot of us or people generally who are trying to potentially jump to growth and bypass some of these more basic emotional security needs, which are so necessary before we can really move on and fulfill our potential, so to speak? I mean, it depends what your most unmet needs are. You know, you have to strive for it. You know, there are a lot of people who have unmet needs. Uh, I, I should say not. it's not only depends on what your unmet need is, but how much that matters to you that it's unmet. Gotcha. You might have an unmet need for social status, but you don't care. You know, like that's not what drives you in life. Or some people are, you know, obsessed with intimacy and connection and love, you know, um, Women love that stuff. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But like, <laughs> they're obsessed, obsessed with connection. <laughs> I'm being cheeky. But um, but some people, um, are, you know, emotional connection. You know, they love that. And then, but then other people are like, they. It's like speaking a different language. Other people are like, I don't even. That's not what drives me in my day to day life. You know. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting to see. I'm very interested in individual differences. You know, and and how people really differ from each other, and what uh, what needs matter than what don't. For a lot of people um, uh, who want to be in uh, relationships, having a secure attachment is is important, certainly for sure. Um, and having a sense of um, a safe base for for someone that you can go back to um, and ex- you know can, you can explore, but that you feel is is there for you in times of need. It's important to have some sense of trust in your relationships, mm. no matter what, what, whatever your needs are. But I did want to make the point there, there are individual differences and, and, and sex differences. There are, there's, there's research on that on which needs are more important. So, so the, the counterpart to, to making fun of women is I can make fun of men now. I like making fun of everyone equally, right. uh, making fun of men <laughs> right. who are obsessed with power. Their, their thing is power. And, you know, on, on average, on average, when you look at, um, differences, whereas communion, women love commun- men, you know, on average, tend to be much more preoccupied with social status and and rising the top of a hierarchy. And of course you see lots of individual differences and variation within each uh, gender. You know, of course, of course, there's a lot of women interest in power and a lot of men. But I do think, you know, discussing um, individual differences as well as gender differences and different unmet needs can help us to explain and understand a lot of strife we see in the world today. There's a, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of discord (laughs) and I really want to like I want to like increase our understanding of each other I found it really interesting that you made the point in terms of that like whether it's important to you or whether it matters to you just going back to that attachment piece though obviously for people who don't understand attachment theory we're all kind of on a spectrum of more more or less anxious in our attachment uh, style or more or less avoidant and you made the point very effectively that people who are higher in the avoidant tend to be fine cope better with life and are happier generally, but people who are higher on the anxious spectrum struggle more. Yes, uh, for sure. And 
and it, they probably struggle more in in general in their life. They probably score high on a personality trait called neuroticism, where they see everything as a threat in their life, um, and that's just that's no way to live, you know, to uh, to see everything as a threat and to be anxious all the time. I mean you know, you do see some personality traits are correlated with some of these things as well as some early childhood experiences um, where maybe early in childhood we were signaled in our environment just that, you know, that, that we can't trust the environment. It's it's a shame. A lot of people uh, form these beliefs very young and then they don't change their beliefs. They don't, uh, they don't revise them. No, that is so true. And then people go through life feeling like saying, I hear it all the time, you know, but this is just how, who I am. Like, this is just how I am. And not necessarily having that understanding that these uh, uh, old patterns or that they've adopted these ways of being in the world, you know, for a good reason, but it's not that they can't be changed. I, I, well, I definitely agree with that. And, and, uh, and there's so many instances of these things changing. I was also interested in the self-esteem, which you put in the, uh, the bottom of the sailboat, like in the boat part you put self-esteem as a as a fundamental safety need. But you also make the distinction between a healthy self-esteem and unhealthy self-esteem and, for instance, narcissism. In all of this, what I was most interested in is you talk about or you refer to Maslow's distinction between what he called the D realm and the B realm. So for people listening, that's more like something that is a deficiency need, as you said at the start of this conversation, or versus the B, which is like the being. And that is more like the becoming, right? The evolving. The growth, yes. The growth, the growth realm. I would like to hear you explain if I've got this correctly. But for example, with self-esteem, we all have the same need, but sometimes our pursuit or our pursuits or our goals are driven really from a from a deficiency perspective as opposed to a growth perspective and that there's a real there's a, that's a distinction to be made within the individual about what is driving our pursuit of whatever goals it is that we're trying to achieve like if it's, is it love or esteem that is a healthy I want to be the best person I can be or is it because I need you to validate me or I need you to love me so that I feel okay in myself. Well, I make a distinction in the book between connection, the need for connection, and the need for love. Um, and well, also, I actually have all these finely grained nerdy distinctions. Please bear with me. I distinguish between the need to belong and the need for intimacy. I distinguish between the two. Now, the need for belonging often is tied more to our self-esteem because we want to be liked, we want to be accepted. We can be accepted by groups, by clubs. Yeah, okay, the, this, you know, the Malibu Soho Club, whatever, accepted me. Well, they didn't. I mean, that's not the truth. They didn't accept me. But I'm saying, let's say if they did accept me, <laughs> then you know, be like, I'd be like, oh, great, I'm accepted. But do am I intimate with them? Like, is there any relationship, real, true, genuine, authentic relationship? Let's say you know, a religious organization, political organization. Um, you know, a lot of these young kids are are uh, sacrificing their lives uh, in political uh, extremism. They belong, but they feel a sense of belonging. But they, do they feel intimacy? Do they feel a sense of relatedness? You know, maybe their self-esteem is boosted in a lot of ways, but their real uh, core uh, striving and yearning for intimacy is still unmet. And then, you know, you can have the need for love, which is a higher need than than everything I just mentioned, which is about um, love for humanity. 
um, what Maslow called being love, love for the being of others. So Scott, so many of us these days are on this path of personal development, of self-improvement, of wanting to uh, achieve our highest potential, to fulfill who, who you know, be the best person we can be. What do you see as some of the challenges that people face in in achieving those things in their own personal growth? Well, they often get in the in their own way. You know, they often get in their own way um, because they're 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 so motivated by deficiency. They're so motivated by this this lack of of what they have, as opposed to moving towards what what a brighter, hopeful, more purposeful future could look like. A lot of it really is that kind of imagination and allowing your and allowing yourself to to enter that being realm of human existence. You know, the good growth, the growth realm, where you aren't so driven by your narcissistic insecurities, you aren't so driven by uh, your profound loneliness and and other insecurities and defenses, defense mechanisms. It requires a, a fair level of uh, self awareness, though, doesn't it? That perhaps people. Are lacking, yeah. Even in recognizing that the role of those defense mechanisms, and and for me, it's all about. I mean, I do coaching psychology as well. It's for what purpose? You know, you want to achieve that goal for what purpose? And I think that's the point you're making, right? Is it to satisfy some deficiency, or is it really to fulfill your greatest potential? Are you trying to feel better about yourself or shore up your, you know, lacking, you know, self-esteem or loneliness or something? That's exactly right. So you do coaching? Yeah, I do. I do coaching and positive psychology. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm a clinical psychologist as well, but yeah. No, that's, that's big props to you. Much respect. Yeah. You know, you, you see, and I do coaching too, so we can talk the same, we can talk the same language. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of clients, uh, I notice just common themes over and over again. I'd love to hear if you notice the same themes. But you, you really see at the heart of it, people just want to be validated for what's what's good within them. Mm. And a lot of them are so, are so harsh and cold to themselves, and they don't see it. they don't see it because they're with themselves all the time. You know, sometimes it takes someone like a coach to be able to to do the, you know, what positive psychologists call strength spotting. Mm. I'm a big fan of, of the strength spotting approach. And I think that that's probably the the biggest thing a coach can do um, uh, to be valuable in a, in a coaching uh, session. And yeah, I'll just stop there because I, I want to hear some of your thoughts about like, what are some common themes about what you think is most uh, walking your clients, their self-actualization? transcendence. Yeah, well, I think uh, 100% that we are typically highly self-critical and very much, and I understand that as I talk about this as well, we have a brain that is wired to focus on problems and look for lack. Um, and so it takes a, an intentional effort to shift that perspective onto what is good and what is working well and what is to be appreciated, not just in our lives and in our worlds, but also within ourselves. Beautiful. Um, yeah, we, we, there is so much projection going on these days. I don't want to mention specific, you know, names of president presidents, <laughs> but just you know, there are various people that'll be like, like they'll be so blatantly something. Like, let's say someone's so blatantly racist, and then they make a statement like, "I'm the least racist person on the planet." You know, it, you're project, you're you're like people are are just not seeing anything within themselves. 
fundamental lack of self-insight. I think the other thing that I've really seen recently and referring back to your model and your your sailboat is that we have a fundamental need for belonging. That's universal. That's part of our human condition. Um, but at its extreme or, you know, it, it evolves into this kind of tribalism, this very much them and us mentality, which is what I see. I'm sure, you know, we all see it happening in the world. You're either with me or you're not with me. And there's no, there's no, nothing in between. You either disagree with me or you agree like like as if like why does everyone have to agree with you <laughs> people are like it's it's a moral it's a moral offense now if someone doesn't agree with you if someone that doesn't agree with you that means that that they're evil yeah there's no room for this uh for sharing openly sharing of different perspectives i think i found that really interesting because i was observing as i was reading your book i was observing it all around me i want to go back to your distinction between love as a growth need as distinct from belonging and connection. We all understand, you know, very much so now there's a lot of, so much research about the the need for connection, loneliness kills. Uh, you know, we've all heard those stats that have come out of some of the, the research and Vivek Murthy's new book uh, together as well. How do you distinguish between love, big love, growth love, and our personal need for intimacy and connection and relationships? Well, I was I was actually mentioning that a little bit earlier. Um, then an earthquake happened, uh, interrupted us, and uh, uh, now we're now I'm joking. I'm in California. It's oh. it's a California joke, a bad California joke. Okay, but um, no, uh, yeah. So I, as I was alluding to earlier, like love, I see it. Oh, thanks, Alexa. <laughs> um, Ale- <laughs> love is this higher form. Of 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 consciousness, where we it's more like an attitude, a verb, as I see it, to love, than yes, uh, to care about our fellow humans, uh, regardless of you know how much we feel like we connect with them, you know how much we feel like, uh, like you feel a sense of like oh well we have the same values, you know I really do believe you can love people that you don't like. And you can love people you don't connect with. You can have a, a, a faith in humanity while recognizing the imperfections of humanity. And also I see love as something that can be directed inward or outward. You know, it can be directed inward for self-compassion, self-love, healthy self-love. Now, narcissism is unhealthy self-love, but there is such a thing as healthy self-love, you know, where you have self-care, self-care. For sure. You know? Um, and and you also find, and I find in my research studies over and over, that people who tend to have self care tend to also be more likely to care about others. There, there, there's a there's a positive correlation. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, as you talk about that kind of love for humanity, I do practice, you know, mindfulness meditation. Have an interest in Buddhist philosophy and psychology, and it it reminds me kind of of the meta, the loving kindness, a love for all beings. Uh, I think you even mentioned Sharon Salzberg and her work in, yep. in the book and her concept of real love. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Sharon Salzberg's work and uh, she's going to be my podcast soon. We chatted about her. She's a new book, mm. you know, this, this sense of this whole idea of, of love is a freely given gift, which is how Sharon frames the situation is very much in line with Maslow's notion of be love Love, it, love for the being of others. And also just being loving. 
I feel like as an antidote to to a lot of these problems, a lot of this conflict and a, a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the world right now, in, more important than ever, I think, for more people to adopt that kind of being love uh, attitude. I think so. I mean, I, I know so. You're right. It's tricky. It's tricky. With people who feel like they're fundamental needs are being encroached on mm. um, through discrimination, through all sorts of uh, forms of oppression as they see it, it's it's uh, harder for them to to just forget, feel love. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things like, it, it's just like the sailboat, you know, when your boat really is not, you know, you know, secure and it's shaky, you know, like that's what you're focused on. And just for, I'm just conscious for people listening, we haven't actually stated explicitly the um, the sailboat involves in your model. So the growth part of tra- transcendence or self-actualization involves exploration, love, and then purpose at the top. You have not actually included self-actualization, the term self-actualization in your sailboat model, Scott. So was that... I assume that's quite a deliberate choice to leave out the term self-actualization. Well, I broke down self. It's such a, it's that ter, that word is such a nebulous word, and I decided to break it down into more tangible, concrete uh, needs. You know, self-actualization. If we just view it as growth towards your the best version of yourself and your, what's most uniquely uh, capable, you're most uniquely capable of contributing to the work, to the good society. Well, you know, I, I, that, that's usually a combination of a spirit of curiosity, exploration, creativity, love for humanity and purpose, uh, some sort of pro-social purpose or some sort of um, strong sense of mission that you have to make the world a better place. That's really what Maslow was thinking when he was thinking self-actualization. And unfortunately, a lot of people um, have a misunderstanding of, of what Maslow meant by self-actualization. They tend to uh, talk about it like uh, like he was very individualistic. And, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. He, especially towards the later years of his life, he started talking about the transcenders, which were those who were the self-actualizers who really were able to get outside themselves and fuse with the B values, the values of pure being, um, justice, uh, truth, goodness, meaning, um, things that in, there were ends in themselves. Uh, values rather than means to an end. I keep saying at the peak, like at the top of the sailboat, but to be clear, you're not about levels, right? You're not about, well, you can't, once you've got exploration, then you can go there and then you can go there. This is just like a more holistic kind of approach of looking at all of our growth needs or all that is required to achieve our highest potential. Is I saying that correctly? Yes, uh, highest potential. I'm not sure what that phrase means, <laughs> but no, neither but, am I. It's very poor uh, choice of words, to be honest. No, potential I've, by definition is not an end point, is it? Right, but <laughs> I've I've certainly been guilty of using that phrase myself. So, and I've I've probably used it in my by promotional materials for my book. But if you pushed me on that and told me, well, what is that, Scott? I'd be like, I have no idea. Um, transcendence. <laughs> what is what is your transcendent potential? That you know, that's, you know, and that's that's what are the potential realities you have within yourself for transcending your ego um, enough, where you can, um, you know, f- connect to the world at large, and your purpose is, you know, what's good for you is good for society, 
there's a synergy there. It's synergistic. And, and, and just terms like selfishness just, just don't make sense anymore, you know, because you, you're, you're selfishly helping the world. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> And I really, I personally really enjoyed the uh, exploration you did around purpose. I talk about that a bit as well, you know, in terms of just each of us using our own innate, you know, strengths and gifts or interests, resources in the service of something that is bigger than ourselves. Um, and for me, that's what it's all about, right? Exactly. That's what it's all about, baby. Sorry, I'm not calling you baby. <laughs> I'm just saying like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but but that's what it's all it's, about. I'm just getting excited. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. That is what, but then I know, and I've had this conversation just recently on the podcast too, about, you know, that people get all in their heads and feel all this pressure about, well, I don't know what my purpose is. How do I, how do I work out what my purpose is? Do you have an answer to that question? Uh, I mean, what is the question? Do you have an answer for, for the people who struggle with, kind of identifying or pinning down or feeling like they're lacking something because they don't feel that sense of purpose in life or they don't feel like, or they or they feel like they have to be achieving some grand mission in order to have there you go. a purpose in life, right? Yeah. Usually when they feel that way, they're really just, they're just, they haven't filled their bucket up in terms of meaning. There are lots of things in life that can bring us meaning. A lot of people that are searching for a grandiose purpose might find that if they really just have another need that just wants to be fulfilled, like connection you know right um and and then they're like suddenly not so desperate for a grandiose purpose i think everybody needs to calm down a little bit on the what's my grandiose purpose now i can't now i'm saying that which sounds so contradictory considering the whole book i just wrote but i think that it's all about the integration of all of these things um some people just try to just shoot for the what's my purpose and you know a lot of people within violent extremism um you know they're fulfilling a purpose but it's it's very unhealthy uh they're it's very well i should say it's it's downright harmful <laughs> you know okay um and so just having a priority uh, a hierarchy of values and and knowing that hierarchy is is, is so important but that's all i mean when i talk about purpose you know the word it's just purpose sounds so great i just mean like you know what when you're steering the ship, you know, what's what's the shore that you see as your vision of your futures, your, where you're going? Where are you going? You know, um, it's important to, to have that vision uh, and have that clarity. I know I'm sure in your coaching practice, you really help your clients with clarity and a vision. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. But it doesn't have to be this, like, there's only one you have in your whole life. It's like, you know, it's, it's we put just much pressure with finding the one love of your life as well for a marriage, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's putting a lot of pressure on people. I think that's just really important to to clarify that. I had your book uh, in my, my book club group over the last month or so. And, you know, one person was saying, well, you know, this is all well and good, but if you're just working to put food on the table, well, what's all this guff about, you know, self-actualization? Um, but I mean, I guess, do you have an answer for that? Well, I get that a lot. I, um, I get that, right. but you usually get that from, uh, people who, you know, there's a certain type of like social justice person, you know what I mean? There's a certain type where like that's preoccupies every moment of their life. And, Fair enough. Like if that's who you are and that's, that's, you know, um, you're, you're fighting the good fight. Um, but I think that if you only see life through that lens, then you never see the higher possibilities for humans. It's, it's very important to me that we, we don't get 
stuck in the deficiency realm of human motivation. We can fight for a better world, but we don't get stuck in the uh, deficiency realm, you know? So I, I really do, uh, I am a firm believer that one need not wait until that magical moment that'll never arrive when everything is perfect outside of themselves in order to change what's within themselves. Why can't you target both simultaneously? I just love the word that you used before, which was like an inter- integrating, like it's that integrated yeah. approach, you know, t- t- to everything, to life and et cetera. <laughs> You're making me think, to life, l'chaim, you know, da, 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 da. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you set me off. <laughs> and ultimately, as you've already alluded to, in, in your model, we have, we've got the sailboat, you know, we have exploration, love, purpose, and ultimately transcending. And you said before, transcending the ego. Yeah. I, I want people to go and read the book, as you do, to, to better understand all of these concepts. But are you able to give us like an inner nutshell of what your definition is of transcendence? Sure. I define transcendence as it's an emergent property. It's not something you'll ever just... Uh, just achieve. It's not an achievement. It's not a level in a video game. It's something that tends to come along for the ride of working on yourself, you know, working on it, having come to a deep integration of your whole self, feeling whole as you can be in the service of realizing the good society. So that's how I define healthy transcendence. And I distinguish that from unhealthy transcendence. There's a lot of unhealthy transcendence out there. Uh, you know, you'll see people uh, you'll see gur- so-called gurus, you know, just really uh, abusing their positions of power, and you know, like they, they sleep with everyone, <laughs> you know, in their, they, you know. Uh, yes, they um, do. Not there's anything wrong with sleeping with people, but I'm saying they abuse their power to do so. Yes. And you know, and there's they'll they'll say I'm transcended. It's like no motherfucker, you need transcended. Sorry, you can't curse in your podcast. But no, you know, you're that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about transcend. Transcendence is not being above everyone else so that you can have control over others. That's that's a messed up, uh, messed up. I won't curse. But that's a messed up form of transcendence. You can I view transcendence, I don't know, It's you have a kid-friendly show, but I view transcendence as, you know, being deeply connected to the rest of humanity, not being above the rest of humanity. There's a difference. Seeing yourself as- Oneness. A part, part, oneness, right, great. Yep, a part of the- cosmos, a part of the universe that we're all connected. Yeah, I really get that. Correct. In the back of the book, you have included, I just want to say it is a big book. It's very meaty. There's a lot of research in it. I really appreciate the the amount of research. I mean, you spent years on this book, didn't you? I did. I put my heart and soul into it. I I worked on it for years. Yeah. I, I mean, I put everything in, everything I had into it. Yeah, really did. And I appreciate that. But I also very much appreciate that in the back, you have some little guides to some very (laughs) practical, very, not that we want to put this into a tick the box step-by-step formula for to achieve transcendence, but some really practical strategies that people can implement in their life to help them to live more in this being realm. So I just wanted to make that comment. It was not a question, but for people listening, that there, there's some Stay really good the stuff in there. Stay to the end of the book. <laughs> Stay to the end. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but equally a very comprehensive index for anybody who wants to go and dig into the research uh, that is of interest. And I also wanted to say in my book club that each of us were very drawn to different uh, chapters and different elements of the 
the sailboat. And I think that just points to the individual differences you're talking about, Scott. I could really find myself being immersed in some parts and other parts I was a bit like, oh, flick, flick, flick. This doesn't feel like it's relevant That's to me right exactly now. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge, you know, what you, but you see it play out. Don't you see it play out all, all over the place when you, when you think in terms of uh, needs, like you see, let's say Instagram, you know, you'll see the one person who's posting the word love is in every single one of their posts. Right, <laughs> yeah. Every single, it's always, they, they, they hit you over the head with, uh, with posts about love, 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 compassion. And then, but then you look at someone else's Instagram page and it's a whole different world over there. You know, someone else's Instagram page and it's like all about like hacking, hacking yes. and, and status. And how do you get your goals and how do you uh, level up? How do you, and then you look to another person's Instagram and you see, oh, well, they're obsessed with a whole different set of needs. The thing is you start seeing this everywhere and you realize, you know, you see what I'm saying, right? I, yeah, for sure. I've never thought about it like that, but yes, absolutely. People have different preoccupations. Um, and usually it's, it's about what's unmet in them. You know, I don't know if people would admit that, but, um, you know, some of these people who are, are the most focused on status and achievement and, you know, like, you know, they're like, I'm the number one high performance in the world, whatever. They tend to be the most insecure sometimes uh, with that need. I know that's that's shots fired. <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm saying. Uh, I would, you know, I see a fair bit of narcissism yeah. in but, the. But um, look, you know, we we can all. I should I should all say we're all could be guilty of this. You know, I have my I 100% have my my narcissistic moments. Sometimes I'm in that mood and I'm like crushing it today. I'm crush. You know, it's like you know, look, it's to be human, and um, I want us to celebrate our humanity and uh, and not. Uh, Again, transcends not about being above everyone, but to being being able to connect yeah. to humanity. Scott, I'm very conscious of your time. I appreciate the time that you've given us today. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for being on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. I absolutely love the book. I'll be um, talking about it for a long time to anybody who will listen. So thank you for being here. Thank you. You're really delightful. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of Crappy to Happy. Scott's book, Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization, is an in-depth exploration of our human needs and how they relate to our goals and to living more authentically and on purpose. It's packed full of the most current research as well as some really interesting history about the field of psychology. So if that is something of interest to you, I would really recommend it. I personally plan to go back and read it again, and that's not something I normally do. Don't forget, you can join the online Crappy to Happy community. It's a free Facebook group. You'll find it by searching Crappy to Happy Community on Facebook or come and give me a follow on Instagram. I'm at castdun underscore XO. And if you're ready to take your happiness to the next level, you're welcome to join my paid membership community, Beyond Happy. Find out all the details at castdun.com forward slash beyond. Crappy to Happy is a Podcast One Australia production produced by Dave Zwolenski and with audio by Darcy Thompson. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the app.